So what we say to everybody today is, if you can dream it, we can do it. Welcome everyone to the Driving Vision Podcast brought to you by the Ziegler Auto Group. I'm your host, Sam Dark, and here with me, Auto Group Director of Talent Development, Mike Van Ryan. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks, Sam. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, like it if you do, and leave a comment. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Driving Vision at Ziggler. So we're excited today, Mike. Welcome back. Mike Van Ryan. Thanks, Sam. With us today, we have two special guests. So first off, Mr. David Putz, EVP Brown & Brown National Programs. David, welcome to the show. Sam, thanks for having me. And Mike Neal, President Brown & Brown Dealer Services. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, Sam. Thanks for having me. Good morning. So, hey, what an exciting day to sit and talk about vision <laughs> and leadership. So as everybody knows, the purpose of this podcast is to highlight leaders with unusual vision that are either changing the world or who will change the world. So first out the gate, there are probably no better two leaders than Mr. David Putz and Mike Neal when we talk about vision and changing the world in the automotive space. So David, let's start with you. And then Mike, what is your vision for this automotive space and how are you seeking to change the world? I would say, first of all, that is a big massive intro, uh, changing <laughs> yes. the world in the automotive space. So I don't ever want to be known as the person who believes that we're absolutely changing the world. What I would say, though, is is that been a lot of time with Mike and Pal Brown and others to say, how can we do things better for the dealer and make the dealer's experience and ultimately profitability and then customer experience for their customers the absolute best in the industry? And so if that changes the world in the automotive space, I'm not sure. But I do know this. I do know that based on what Mike has come up with for being the broker, the concept of broker for the dealer, which may be a little bit new from what we've seen in the past, what we've been able to do is allow for the fact that we can bring every single touch point to a dealership and then ultimately to that consumer, which nobody else in the industry can do. And so, you know, how does that kind of change things? Well, I think, again, you know, as we think about what we've been able to accomplish together with the Ziegler organization and others, we've been able to simplify things. We've been able to maximize ultimately profit. But ultimately, I think what we've been able to do is how do we bring a better experience to the consumer, maximizing those profits and keeping things kind of streamlined. So when you guys switched over, I always think about this. You had the best results in your history. And I remember Aaron talking about defining moments in the organization's history. And he said, there was three defining moments, this one being the third of making that change. And why would you possibly change when things were really good? Because things weren't bad. And actually the numbers were the best in the history. And it was because he had the vision to say, based on what Mike and you, David, are talking about and how we're going to do things with Sam and the rest of the team, I believe and we believe that this can be monumental. And so far, the results have proven to be so. So I think, again, it's been a whole lot of fun. There's a lot of vision there that we can talk to you know, further in the podcast. But really, it gets back to how do we create that? And Mike did it, his vision of how do we become that broker for the dealer? So it's interesting, David. I think you're being modest, right? So great leaders have a natural tendency and ability to paint a picture that does change the world. JFK did it with the space race, the moon landing. Reagan did it in tearing down the wall of the Cold War. And you dared to do something great, which was let's provide that experience to a dealer that allows them to meet the needs of a consumer in a way that just doesn't exist in the world today. And I can tell you from my experience on Team Ziggler that the tools and resources you brought to the table changed the world of our finance teams. 
And changing the world of our finance teams changes the way we engage with the customer and the consumer and the things they're able to get on their end to protect. And then that changes their world as they experience breakdowns and challenges on their side. It changes the world because you dare to think differently. And that's the power of leadership. We're going to come back to you and ask more about how you achieve that vision and what it took to make that vision come true. But Mike, as president of Brown and Brown Dealer Services, your role has been a little bit different as you've worked to achieve an accomplish your vision. What's your vision for Brown and Brown and dealer services segment of Brown and Brown? First of all, it's about putting the right team around you. And we've been very fortunate and blessed that we've done that. We've added the right folks to the team as well as through acquisitions. We've got some very talented teammates. And Sam, it's exactly what David said. We are the broker for the dealer. And as long as we keep that concept and keep that in mind, that if we do the best thing for the dealer, then it works out the best for Brown and Brown as well. We are, are able to be a trusted advisor by having all the abilities to help the dealer in so many different areas. And what we do with training and income development from the side of, of FNI to property and casualty, and we have some folks that are analytical worms when it comes to forms, the uh, property and casualty division, and actually making sure that the dealer is best protected. And then we have a talented group of folks in employee benefits. We have the right team around us. When we partner with an operation like yours that has folks that from the top, lead and say, hey, we're buying into this and what worked for a dealer yesterday or today may not work for the future and we're going to make changes. If you got the right folks around you, you know, you could sit down on an escalator, but you're still going up. That's where we're at with this team and partnering with the Ziegler Group and excited about the future. You know, I'll tell you one of the big differences from my perspective is a lot of times in this sort of a relationship in partner and vendor, you're told no a lot, right? So a dealer may come to a partner and say, hey, we need a solution for this specific electric vehicles, as an example, on service contracts or a, a specific type of a coverage on maybe a certified vehicle that maybe has a branded title. We don't do that in our world, but if there is an example of that. And in the past, there are companies where they have a very black and white set of what they can and can't do. A big difference with the Brown and Brown ways, you say broker for the dealer, is we have not heard no, Mike Van Ryan yet. We have heard, let's go figure it out together. Together. What enables you to do that, figuring it out together rather than saying, hey, we can't do that? Or the more common answer, which is, hey, you know what? We'll think about it. And six months later, we're still thinking about it. David, how are you able to find creative ways to solve problems? That's probably the biggest thing that we're bringing to the automotive community that I think is the biggest benefit. So I always say, you know, when a dealer makes a decision to leave a relationship after 20 years, it's because the economics are there, flexibility there and then there's trust. And frankly, the economics is the easy part. Anybody can go out and match anybody's economics, right? Yeah. The flexibility is everything. And that's exactly what you're talking about here, which is how are we able to do that? Well, we're able to do it because Mike, through his vision and how we're trying to build this out, we're number one with so many different carrier partners out there that are phenomenal partners. And so because we're number one in volume, we might be able to go to one of our partners and say, hey, you know what? Ziggler's looking for this? Is this something you can do? By the way, if they can't, that's okay because we can go to one of our other partners and we have multiple other channels. And so what we say to everybody today is if you can dream it, we can do it. So as we sit down and instead of just going
going over the numbers, which is really, really important. And we just had our quarterly yesterday, which was phenomenal, to review numbers and progress. The other important thing is to say, hey, how do we get together multiple times a year and say, what do you think is coming next? So we can put up on a whiteboard where you want to go, whether it's products, whether it's service, whatever it might be. And no idea is crazy, right? So what do you need? If you can dream it, we can do it. So then we can go to our partners and some maybe don't have the ability from a resource standpoint, resource standpoint and priority to prioritize that. That's okay. We've got another option or another option and another option to be able to say with one of our partners, I'm sure that we can find exactly what you're you're looking for or you need. So, I mean, I think that gets back to the network that Mike's built. And then frankly, we look at it from the standpoint of being partners with you and other dealers. You're ultimately our customer. And so what we are is we're the ability to go out and find this, allow you guys to focus on running that business day in, day out, driving the numbers and driving your vision. And then we help facilitate being able to put you in the spot to say, whatever you need, we can get it. And it doesn't need to take a long time to get. No, I think you're exactly dead on, David. And we've got a great group of carrier partners. And then we've got a couple of companies that we own internally. And if some of our carrier partners can't get it or get it quick enough or technology is a problem or whatever, then we go to Don Saposi or Bill Kelly that, you know, we have a couple internal administrators and say, hey, we got to figure out a way to take care of our client here. So let's build it. What you, know, you guys so have described ahead. is uh, ties right in with our value system. Our E is execution and our values. And you guys have been able to do that so effectively with us partnership. Yeah. And Mike Van Ryan, to that point. So we were with David Putz in Phoenix, Arizona last month meeting with our service contract provider. So to any of our retail customers and or family of members of the Ziegler Automotive team or Brandon Brown teams that are listening to this, what we're talking about here is after you buy that car, after you buy that truck, we sit with a person who does paperwork and makes some decisions about whether or not we want to protect the vehicle. And it's crazy in today's environment with inflation being unlike it's ever been before. I think it was quoted at 7% last year, which broke a 40-year record. And much of it is in the automotive industry where tech is going up, the cost of labor is going up, the cost of parts are going up. Consumers need the opportunity to make decisions about protecting or not protecting the asset or the vehicle they're purchasing and cost of repairs are going up. So David, we met with our service contract provider in a meeting unlike I've ever been experienced to before. We sat in the customer's seat and truly said, look, these are the things that are on our customers' minds. These are the things that we need. And that service contract provider, because you set up the meeting that way, was then able to hear us take that feedback. And they're working on developing systems, processes, and elements of the product that better serve our retail customer. So that when you see Ziegler Automotive Group in the news, it is because we are running like a cheetah towards our customers to meet their needs. Thanks to the customization that you bring. Instead of saying, hey, we can't do that because we're going to find a way to do it, David. Yeah, and that ultimately just gets back to here at Brown and Brown, we don't have a box, right? Because we represent so many different brands and so many different outstanding carrier partners. Again, we can have the flexibility when I get back to economics, flexibility and trust across that spectrum. That number two, the flexibility, when you don't have a box that you're trying to work within and you have multiple options and the ability to say, again, if you can dream it, we can do it. That ultimately means it's better for the customer. Again, it takes care of the 
first section, which was the economics, because ultimately we can build these things out and make them more profitable. And so ultimately it gets back to, again, having what Mike said early on, which was the commitment from Aaron and Dan and you and Mike and the general managers and all the leadership at the Ziegler Automotive Group to say, hey, we're completely bought in and we're bought in because we want to serve our customers better. And again, when you have that mindset and the ability to then translate that into what do we need to do together with our partners that we bring, again, there's no box. And when you don't have a box, you can then be limitless with what the opportunity is. Okay, so let's back up just a little bit now, lest we sound like an advertisement because this isn't, right? (laughs) Let's back up and learn a little bit about first Mr. Mike Neal. So it took some vision to create this capability that is Brown and Brown in this organization. Mike, what's your background? How did you become involved and engaged with Brown and Brown? And let's start there. What's your background and how did you become engaged with Brown and Brown? I got into the business of insurance and at a young age while I was in college because of uh, poverty. My parents wouldn't say I was in that bad of poverty, but (laughs) I feel like I was. (laughs) Wanted to make some money and was in the business and fell into the niche of being from rural South Central Kentucky. You figure out, you know, real quick with population demographics in this area, if I got everybody's business four times, I still might not make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So fell into the niche of dealerships. Strange enough, I guess, is uh, started partnering with David later on in another company he was with. And we did a lot of business in the manufactured housing, which in the 80s and 90s was a big thing. Later changed to not be such a big thing because of stick-built loans versus chattel mortgage. And then power sports and RV dealers and eventually auto dealers. Brown and Brown bought the company from me in August 15th of 2008. And I think they thought at that time, boy, what a crazy decision this was. We just bought this guy just full of dealerships yeah. and the reception has hit and the volume goes in half. And David has heard that story yeah. many times because it is true. I thought Pal probably thought he bought a bag of rocks. They were so supportive of me. And I've told the story before, boy, I would see Pal at a company function. I'd think, oh no, please don't come over here. And he always would. And then he would sit beside me and he'd say, well, Mike, how's your team? And I'd say, oh, we're gritting it out, pal. We're going to make it. And he said, no, I mean your favorite team, the Wildcats. How they doing? And I'd be like, oh boy, these people are all right. Yeah. <laughs> so they supported us and got behind us. And we continue to grow as we come out of the recession of having the senior leadership behind us. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, nobody can forecast a recession. And you probably didn't even know that was hitting as you went through the, the cell. But you had a company that you had built, right? It was the byproduct of your life up to that point. What was it like going through the cell of your business? Was that a challenge? It was a challenge. And I was a relatively young person to be selling a company at partner that was 20 plus years older than I was. So it was more for him than me. I was 38 at the time, but I was excited at the same time. I was giving up the company, but I had gone and they had invited me and they knew how to put the hook in me. I went to a <laughs> leadership council meeting. They let me come to one prior to my close in Houston, Texas, and Hyatt Brown was the speaker. Um, Hyatt Brown, sure the then president, then owner, founder of Brown & Brown, Pre- right? President, CEO, and today our chairman. And anyone's ever heard Hyatt speak, and I know David hasn't been around him quite a bit. He's quite the charismatic personality. And so I went hook, line, and sink and was all in and knew that that was probably the company that I would finish my career with. What did you see, Mike, and Hyatt in those conversations that led you to feel comfortable turning your life's work up to that point around? That's a big decision because you certainly had ownership. I've worked side by side with you. The ability to deliver on a promise made is everything to you, right? What did you see in Hyatt that led you to believe this is the place to take 
everything I've built and trust an organization that way. So I would say three things. One, I saw the vision that I had had then, and I made the right decision because if you look, you know, then I think we were a $700 million company, and today we're over $3 billion and $20 billion market cap. Wow. So I saw a vision, and obviously that has been executed by the whole team. Two, they were just exactly what you said. Do what we say, say what we do type of company. And uh, David's been a part of the team a couple of years now and know that to be fact. And number three that I've experienced quite a bit due to a couple family situations and tragedy within my own family is they say you and your family's health is one in one A and then brown and brown and everything else is next. They don't say it, they live it. So that makes you proud to be a part of that family. That's a big difference in great companies, good and versus great companies is truly putting the employee first. At the Ziegler Auto Group, we talk about how our biggest job is serving each other and then that enables us to be stronger and serve our customers, Mike. Isn't that true that when we're at our strength, health-wise, mentally, and we're in a secure place, we're actually able to better serve our customers. It does. I think that's what we are. We're a teammate-first type of company. Yeah. Of course, I'm from, as we all know, Kentucky, and basketball coach up there says we're a player-first type team. We keep putting all these guys in the NBA, but we're not winning any more championships. <laughs> Truly, I think we are a teammate-first company. Yeah. Sam, I would tell you, Hal has a saying, you know, I think I can say on the podcast, he says, you know, big companies suck and we're not a big company. Now, the reality is we have 11,000 teammates. And his whole point to that is we will never act like a big company because we're going to lead this as a group of individuals, to Mike's point, the way that you want to be treated. And we've got a culture, it's, it's truly a meritocracy, where we drive results. The expectation is that you wake up. It's the cheetah, right? You wake up every morning and you go out and hunt. And you have to be fast. You have to be nimble. You have to be able to do all those things or you don't eat. But at the same time, we're going to 100% treat teammates with the utmost respect. I think the real credit, and you look at it, is the companies that we buy, in almost all cases, the principals stay on, even after they've sold and they've done very well. They want to be part of that because they bought into that vision. And then to Mike's point, when you look at the market cap where we are and the fact that we talk about it all the time, I think as you look at the 11,000 teammates today, we're going to look very different in the future, in the very near future, and that number is going to be closer to 20,000 teammates for sure. Because again, people all buy into the culture, which is exactly the same thing I'd say about what I've seen with my partnership with the Ziegler Automotive Group since 2005. Same vision. Yeah. So it's interesting as you think about Brandon Brown and the acquisitions you've made over the past many years, it's evident that the leadership has gone out and said, what are the best companies that engage the best with their customers that are the closest? And you've gone about purchasing those companies, Mike, your company was one. And there've been many since. How many would you say companies have there been? And then, Mike, talk to us about how you came to head up what is now Brown & Brown Dealer Services. Well, first of all, I think counting all of the acquisitions, large and small, that's been part of Brown & Brown Dealer Services since 2008, I think we're at around 11. What I can tell you is acquisitions that we have true office leaders and going back to our very first in the automotive space with Tom O'Neill and, and Rick Rosel. They're still a part of the team today. Yeah. That any part of any company could say that. Yeah. But it's fact. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what continued work as far as efforts among the team and keeping continuity is a big part of our success. And it seems to me that in your diversity, you're stronger together, right? So the background that a Tom O'Neill brings, the background that a Bill Kelly brings, that a Mike Neal brings, that a David Putz brings makes your organization stronger. I know we've certainly experienced it on our side as we 
we've dealt with what used to be two separate companies, right? That's ADG, right. and yeah. I'm not sure what Tom's company was prior, as we've relied on their individual backgrounds. Yeah. Sam, yeah. And they're really all in together and they bought into this thing together. David coming into the in national programs, but his background in automotive space and everybody yeah. working together for the best. And David and I have said it on just our private conversations multiple times. What's best for the dealer and what's best for Brown and Brown? Always get those egos out of the way. Yeah. So how did you go from leading your own company to becoming a part of Brown and Brown to being head of Brown and Brown Dealer Services? What was that transition? Well, when we came in, we were a very, very small part of the operation in retail. And again, going back to growing and the economy turning around and we started to have real good continued growth several years in a row, obviously put the senior leadership's faith behind us and they used their capital yeah. to help us get more resources as far as human capital and talented people on the team. And obviously that created leverage, right, with all our carrier partners. And uh, we were maybe aware that we were at that point and we could use some of that leverage to create better deals for our clients. And that's put us in a better place to get where we're at today. That's excellent. Sam, real quick. Real yep. quick, too. I just wanted to add to that because when Mike bought ADG, you know, Joel and Bill, I found this interesting. We were out to dinner. You were actually out to dinner with us in Kansas City earlier this past year in 2021. And question came up of why Bill and Joel sold to Brown and Brown. And I thought the answer was great and it stuck with me. And Joel said, look, what I wanted to do when I started this company and when I sold to Brown and Brown was build and be a part of the best and greatest F&I service provider in the automotive industry. And he goes, so I wasn't going to sell to anybody that I didn't believe would share that same vision and value. And that's why we were able to sell and make the decision to sell to Brown and Brown. Now, the thing that I would say for me is I've been fortunate and I look back on my experience. I worked for two of the absolute best companies in the automotive space, for sure, bar none. And I have a great deal of respect for both of them. One was Pat Ryan when first got out of college and one was Zurich. And fortunate to be a part of both of those great organizations that have done really, really well. And so this gets back to that same vision that Joel has to say, okay, there's a lot of great choices and companies out there. But in our mind, how do we do something that's just one step or three steps different to become the absolute best in the automotive space? Again, not saying that everybody else doesn't try to do the same thing. I'm just saying that I think that's the marching orders that Mike has given, that Powell's giving. And frankly, if you look at uh, where we're at today, this is the fastest growing area in all of Brown and Brown as you look at the organic growth that we're, we're kicking up in the automotive space, which is fantastic. You know, it's interesting. You beat me to it because your background truly, Mike Neal is a business owner and having delivered to his clients so personally and directly as he did and then building this empire that is the Brown and Brown dealer service brand, your experience in direct insurance, both between Pat Ryan and the other company you were with, melding those backgrounds, that's an unusual marriage that probably allows you to deliver better to a customer than someone without that. What do you see as your biggest strength with Brown and Brown dealer service? has given your two backgrounds. Here's what I would say. I think it always gets back to one thing in my mind, first and foremost, it's people. And again, I think it gets back to every company that I've been a part of, I've been around outstanding. And that's why it gets back to, again, that saying that, you know, you'll never work a day in your life if you find something that you love. And frankly, 
the automotive business is the thing that I've been most passionate about. My father was an auto dealer. Even though at my previous company, I got outside of just automotive and did a lot of other things, ultimately at the end, automotive has always been the thing that kind of brings me home. And so as I think about, again, what Mike's trying to do, you mentioned it already, which is buy and have the best companies in the space. Come join us on this journey to be the absolute best. You know, again, my whole thing gets back to people and taking out the barriers for the people that and teammates that work with us. And so yeah. again, whether it's taking out those barriers that maybe have been frustrating in the past for some other folks and becoming part of our team, you know, how do you take the barrier out for them? But then ultimately, how do you take the barrier out, which we talked about earlier, for the dealer? And yeah. so if you can make things easier and easier to navigate, and as you become larger and larger and larger, you know, we've seen that with consolidation in the automotive area and industry from the manufacturer to, you know, whether it's F&I companies or fixed options companies, whatever it is, typically yeah. when you get bigger, you become less customer centric and harder to deal with. What we're saying is getting back to, you know, Powell's statement, we're never going to act like that big organization, uh, even though we might continue to grow. It's always in our minds when we think about stuff is, are we still the easiest to deal with? And I think we are. And so that gets back to my experiences. Once again, bring on teammates that absolutely just want to have an absolute blast every day when they get up and work. They're passionate about their business. They're passionate about the dealer. And then put them in a position then to be able to say, okay, take that same energy that you have when you're calling on the dealer and get the dealer to have that passion and energy for the consumer. If we do that, everybody wins. I'm going to tell Dave. David, that he gives himself a little less credit. He, you know, his background is coming in and being in positions he's been in with other companies is also, I've noticed, being added asset for Brown & Brown dealer services in deals that he's been involved with because carrier partner looks at him as, oh, you've sat in my seat and you understand where I'm coming from. They don't always look at all of us that way. Yes. They look at it as the broker that is continuing to work the better deal for the dealer. So uh, that's all also been an added asset for the team. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that you have been able to do really well, and we've appreciated it as a partner, is attract members of your team who are excellent in each of their areas. So David often talks about the people who service your account will be at a GM level or above, right? General manager level, which by the way, that's a tough standard. That's a vision in and of itself, a tough standard to actually deliver on. But we've seen that as you look across our marketplaces in the Chicagoland and Wisconsin and Indiana, in Michigan and elsewhere. How how do you find those individuals? How do you continue to grow and cultivate and develop? That's something Mike and I are constantly working on, Mike Van Ryan and I, in the development piece. Yeah, we talk about that all the time, and I'll, I will say it's not easy. A lot of it is, you know, out there just pounding payment on a regular basis that, that other teammates, and we encourage teammates, and I think I stole this, Aaron, our bonus program as far as recruiting, yeah. right? We're using that, but we have to look at it today, and meeting with a group yesterday, I said, okay, how do we look at at it as if we're double our size three years from now. What does that take as far as teammates and technology? And it's our biggest job. You know, we have internal recruiters on the Brown and Brown team, but to recruit experienced people, it really is our toughest job. And, you know, Sammy, here's the other thing. I think that one of the other side of this is, is that Mike and his team and myself, you know, we're going to let the dealer decide. And that's not always the case. Meaning, you know, sometimes things just aren't a fit personnel-wise, team-wise. You know what I mean? 
So it's yes. it's one of those things where we have tough conversations every day. And sometimes it's kind of like, well, this just isn't working out. And we've had some start and stops that either with you or with other folks where we've said, hey, by the way, it might not be that the teammate is the wrong teammate for us, but it's not the right teammate for you. And if that's the case, we really do a great job, I think, try to listen to be able to say, okay, how do we find that right fit so that there's buy-in and so that we can all row in the right direction? And that's not always easy, but that also helps with the development. And I think, again, getting back to making sure that we're training our teammates and holding them accountable, that's part of it. But it also just kind of gets back to that recognition, to Mike's point, of finding the best companies that when we bring them on from an acquisition standpoint, they've had a lot of success in those individual marketplaces. Well, the reason they had success was because they had great team members already. So, you know, I feel very fortunate in that regard because I think we'll be slow as it relates to making sure that we make the right hires and we're not for everybody, you know, Frank, and that's okay. But the other thing and the other side of it is, is that we're going to make sure it's a right fit. And if it doesn't fit, we'll make a change. You know, that's an interesting point because early on in our relationship, we saw that there was maybe a disconnect between a certain rep and then the stores that they worked with. And we appreciated your willingness to say, hey, you know, if there's a disconnect, it doesn't mean that person's not the right person for Brown and Brown. It may just be a different role with a different account. And we saw you make that change quickly and it instantly benefited us. And it actually sent a very strong message to our team about your commitment to us and helping our team grow. And it's interesting. I've watched the people that were impacted by that change that were sent away, so to speak. They've actually thrived in other fields, right? And I think Mike Van Ryan, we practice that at the Auto Group in our own world. We may make a mistake and put someone in the wrong position, Mike, right? But we're very quick to say, let's find the right spot for that person. This is an individual with a family and with a life and hopes and dreams and a vision of their own, just because they may not be great in the role of service advisor may not mean that they may not thrive as a salesperson, right, Mike Van Ryan? It takes courage. It takes real communication. And we've gotten better over the years and quicker at uh, designating that and being able to do that. And it's interesting. So to both you, Mike, Neil, and David Putz, one of the things I think I've seen you do better than any other company out there is celebrating success. And you've brought certain recurring events to our <clears> team <throat> that help us to celebrate success. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of that and how you do it and kind of your philosophy that way. David, you want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. Because by the way, this is probably the most fun thing that we do, right? Look, when you set a vision and you start to hit milestones, whether it's with the dealer like we have with you guys or internally or any company out, you got to celebrate success. I mean, that ultimately kind of gets back to saying, okay, we're working really, really hard, but we're having fun doing it. I always used to say and have a favorite saying that if you're in control, you're moving too slow, right? So part of (laughs) you're in control, you're moving too slow means that there's a lot of times where you're taking deep breaths going, holy cow, I can't really keep up. Well, (laughs) the way that you end up then getting that person to do even more than they ever thought of was to say, hey man, you guys are doing such a phenomenal job. Let's stop and celebrate it. That's okay. You know, you have to do that and then you think about making things memorable, which is one of the things that, you know, we've tried to do with you guys at different experiences. Sam, you came up with the Cheetah Award, frankly, that has taken off a 
above and beyond anything I've ever seen. We love the cheetah, David. We love it. (laughs) I mean, the excitement around Uh, competing for those three cheetahs every month in the Ziegler Automotive Group is unparalleled in any organization, any sports team, any anything that I've seen. I mean, the theatrics that go into (laughs) when somebody wins, I mean, it makes it really special. So, again, when people are just driving as hard as they can and they're running through walls and they're doing all these things, if they feel underappreciated or they feel tired or they're just worn out and they can't give any more, well, you got to stop and smell the roses and tell them, we love you. We appreciate what you're doing. We're absolutely grinding. And that's why we're actually going to do more than we even think we can do. And, you know, frankly, we just had that conversation and celebrated the success again yesterday in our quarterly meeting with you, where you did a fantastic job of reminding when Aaron set this audacious goal and vision, you know, it was who around the room actually believed we could do it. Funny thing is, is the first time we asked that, everybody's hand, when we said, did you think we could do it? Nobody raised their hand, right? Now, in yesterday's meeting, when you asked that same question with the same people, like half the room raised their hand. We're like, that's not true. Because we remember, we can go to the tape, that nobody thought we were going to get there. Now that we've blown through it, now all of a sudden people have bought in. And, you know, I think that gets back to, if you're not celebrating success, people's mindset of where they actually think they can go will be the ceiling. When you're celebrating success and breaking through milestone after milestone after milestone, what we end up finding is, is people will do more than they ever thought they could, and they're going to feel proud of themselves, proud of their team. There's that sense of pride to say, I can do anything. And you make an interesting point, David. The year later, there are more people to say, hey, I knew I could do that. And I wonder if there's a component of doing tough things and realizing vision that has to do with owning it individually. So you hear a person say, hey, you know what? That was kind of my idea. Or, hey, you know, I came up with a key part of the solution that helped produce that result. When you look back and you have the benefit of history and say, hey, of course we made that happen. Part of it is it's because I as an individual owned it, right? And that's one of the challenges of leadership as it relates to vision is bringing people in and getting them to own that solution, right, Mike? Like people can overcome amazing obstacles in their mind if they own it and if they have their own strong why. You know, I think David hit home of everyone loves to be recognized. And everybody loves to win. And what you guys are doing and recognizing folks on a quarterly basis, and we at Brown and Brown do it and across the year and then have one huge annual event helps all year long because we know no matter how good you are that the work we do with your team that is training. And, you know, we know that athletes, grown men that make millions and tens of millions of dollars don't go out in the middle of the summer and do two-a-days because it's enjoyable, right? That's right. Every Everybody has to prepare to win because they want to be the champ. Yeah. That's what the podcast that you do, Sam, the training that the team does, the systems and the processes that they follow, it's all a part of being a champion. You know, Sam, can I add one point, though, too? Because I think what Mike said is exactly spot on and what you said about people, you know, knowing that deep down they probably could, but they just needed that push. I still go back to this. When you talked about the great leaders in this world that we've seen and the vision that they had, whether it was JFK or whether it was Martin Luther King or whether it was, you know, take your pick. In our case that we're talking about, it was Aaron's vision to say, 
this is one of the redefining moments in our company history, and I think we can go here and set this great vision. Great leaders, I always say this, the most important thing I think in leadership, the best leaders have the courage to make tough decisions. Mm, And as you think about that, right, making a tough decision is throwing yourself out there, throwing a vision out there that you know that maybe half the people, 75% of the people in the room are looking at you going, that's not happening, right? Yeah. And so, Sam, one point here, I think Mike said it really well, and I think you said it really well, you know, when you think about getting people to really believe where they knew they could do more, but maybe they just needed that extra push. And what I would say is, is the thing that I've learned through leadership and great leaders, and you can take a pick of, of who you want from a leadership standpoint, whether it was JFK, like you talked about, Martin Luther King, and, and then frankly, because we're talking about the automotive industry in this particular podcast, I'm going to go back to Aaron Ziegler. And when he kicked everything off that we're starting on in the leadership that he showed and the vision he showed. Because frankly, as he laid out the vision for 2021 and where the organization was going to go, and he talked about this being one of the three defining moments in their company's history and Ziegler's company's history, you know, the number one thing I've learned that great leaders do is they have the courage to make difficult decisions, make a tough decision. What I mean by that is, is that here Aaron is, and we talked about it, he sits up and he lays out his vision for what 2021 and beyond look like like. And we were just laughing a little bit about it, that we knew that half the people in the room or more than half the people in the room thought, I I don't think so. I don't know that we can do that. Right. But he had the courage to say, no, 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 this is where we're going. I believe in you. I believe in us. I believe in our team. And that's what great leaders do. Everybody in every great team that ultimately accomplishes something has a great leader that had the courage to put some vision out there that a lot of people probably weren't quite sure was attainable. Yet they had bought into the leader. And so therefore they were going to give it their best shot. And then here we are in history with all kinds of decisions that you can look at over and over and over. Most of these unbelievable things that have been accomplished were accomplished because a leader had had the courage to put something out there. And so again, I think I would push all of our leaders to say, have that courage, go out there, you know, make that decision that you're in the pit of your stomach. You're like, you know, my gut tells me it's right, but I'm, I'm still a little bit nervous about it. Right. Yeah. And I think that is something that needs to be said about leadership. So when you think about that leadership, before we go into our second to last question, which is, you know, we all celebrate and one of those great celebrations, particularly in the auto industry happens to be NADA. It's an annual convention where dealers get together and we learn together, we grow together and I would love your best memory, both David and Mike from an NADA. But I'm also curious when you think about leadership, you both model excellent leadership yourselves. And I've learned from both of you during the time I've known you. Who are your mentors? Who to you has been a great leader, Mike? Neil, who's someone you could think of that's a great leader? Well, I, right off hand, it's funny. You, we've talked about it a couple times. I've always admired JFK. Yeah. More personally, there was a gentleman in, in my part of the country that I was raised up in and my father father passed away when I was young and he kind of immediately took me under his wing about 14 years old and he was a uh very successful real estate developer and and got me into investing at an early age and so forth and has been a, a lifelong friend. 
since then. So I would probably have to say personally that he is. That would be my two. Isn't it interesting the big impact that leaders have both on a national scale in the case of a JFK or a Ronald Reagan changing the world forevermore? And yet there's the ability of an individual who may not consider themselves to be a leader, such as the individual you're talking about, Mike, that changed your world. And as a result of changing your world, changed your life and the lives of everyone you work with at Brown and Brown, not to mention your dealer right. clients and the retail clients all the way through. That's powerful. David, who's a great leader for you in your life? Family for me has been, you know, some of the, the best leadership lessons that I've learned, whether it's been parents or close family friends, some of which are auto dealers out there. I take a lot from, again, you know, my mother was executive director of our school system. She didn't start working until after she had kids, special education teacher, assistant superintendent. My dad was a car dealer, so you'd assume that it'd be that. And then my mom on the opposite side was an educator, but didn't start working and didn't go even into a professional career until after myself and my two brothers were born. And so my grandfather, who was owned a trucking company, you know, I think back prior to him passing, somebody that, you know, I would reach out to often. But there's a number of clients that I would say that are younger than me in some cases, some are older. Frankly, it, this is going to sound crazy. My kids, as we're trying to mentor them in a funny way, sometimes they mentor us yeah. as well. And so we could have a it could go all day on all day on mentors. Because <laughs> if you don't have a mentor and a couple of them, go find some. That's probably the uh, takeaway, right? For people with the Ziggler Auto Group, Brandon Brown Dealer Services, and elsewhere listening to the podcast, the great leaders have mentors. All right, David, best NADA experience. And will mm. we see you at NADA? <laughs> you know, you will. You will see me at NADA. Uh, Mike and I are kind of coordinating some of that, too. But you know what? To pick one is awfully difficult. I will tell you that, Sam, you've heard me say this for years. It's the three L's when I go to NADA. It's listen, laugh, and learn. And I would tell you that I learn a lot. I spend more of my time laughing. And so one of my best friends who was a highly successful auto dealer just passed away here recently. And I would tell you that if I think about NADA, every NADA with my buddy, Harry Bozak, some stories I could tell and some I can't. So in the essence of time, I will tell you that, that every NADA that I got to spend time with Harry and, and our other friends and clients, that's always the best memory. Yeah, well, and hopefully you're able to uh, honor his memory. He's someone I respected, loved, looked up to as well, not to the extent you did. But interesting, that is an example of life taken early when so much potential lie ahead. And yet someone who in himself was a great leader who left a legacy of people in his organization that will continue his vision well into the future. An example of great leadership in and of itself. Well, and ironically, prior to passing, he had uh, earned the uh, Time Dealer of the Year yeah. for Indiana to be their representative. So again, that's one of the main reasons I want to go back this year to NADA because I don't know what will happen the results of that, but they'll you know, honor him for that. Up. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's right, because wow. he was the Indiana representative in this past year. Wow. Yeah. And so that was all done prior to his passing. And so again, that gets back to leaving that legacy, which I'm super proud of. All our love and whatnot to his family and to that organization. Mike Neal, best memory. We've had a lot of good memories and we get together with a lot of our carrier partners. We have a lot of meetings. And David, I like those words as the three L's. I guess the one that sticks out in my mind because of what you said laughing is one of the guys on our team, Sam, who you know and know well, Bill Kelly. Yep. I just had such a large time last year after one of the events watching Bill play roulette, which he absolutely had no skill at. <laughs> he was getting Michael Jordan's number and, and silly things like that. I thought he was going to break the place that night. Yeah. So it was just a lot of fun. That's yeah. awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing both of you there, being with you potentially. All right. A tradition at the podcast is the lightning round brought to you by Mike Van Ryan. Cool. 
quick answers in succession and can't not answer, right, Mike? Absolutely. I've been learning so much, taking a lot of notes here. Thanks so much, guys. Lightning round. We'll start with Mike Neal first. Mike, favorite hobby or activity outside of work? I like to play golf, especially with Aaron as my partner against putts. <laughs> but everyone that knows me very well knows that I um, love Kentucky college sports, both basketball and football, attend both, season ticket holder to both, and would not be a true Kentuckian if I, I didn't love thoroughbred horse racing. Love it. David. That's awesome. I would say, again, golf is probably number one. And then, you know, watching my kids without question play baseball. I've got one at uh, Notre Dame playing, one at uh, Arkansas who will be playing and then my youngest is going to go to K-State. So that takes up most of my wife and I's uh, time. So watching them is probably the uh, number one hobby we have today. That's awesome. Back to you, David. And then to Mike, favorite book or uh, podcast that you've listened to besides this podcast? You know, I still go back to Good to Great is an excellent read as far as books. I'm actually reading a current one about Cape Cod baseball that one of our good friends, uh, CNA, gave me, Joe Becker, just gave me. And that's a fascinating deal because it's just, again, my son just got done playing there this summer and hopefully the other two will have a chance. But very cool. That's that's awesome. How about you, Mike Neal? Favorite book or podcast? I guess kind of like Dave, I've got a favorite business book and then a favorite book that I enjoyed. And uh, Sam, you remember last May being out in Monterey. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, Pebble Beach. Yep. So my favorite book is The Match. Mm, and good. that's a great oldie, but what used to be the clam bake before becoming the Pebble Beach Invitational. I guess my favorite book that I've really got a lot from over the years, and I've reread it a couple of times, is called The Float. Or excuse me, it's about the float, but it's called The Snowball. It's Warren Buffett's book. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Mike. Come back to you, Mike, on this one. What's one topic you could talk about all day long? <laughs> we go back. It's dealer services, baby. <laughs> all right. Talk about how to get new clients. Perfect. How about you, David? Family. Awesome. David, what's your favorite movie or TV show? Favorite movie or TV show? So I just got done with, like many, I just got done with Yellowstone, which I think that was a hell of a series. I would say that right now that's probably got my attention more than anything else. But we got Ozark coming up, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Is that coming out? I think it's next week, by the way. <laughs> nice. Awesome. It's next week. We're going to see in a cowboy hat next time, David? You know, I've got the boots. <laughs> I haven't put the hat on. That's It's a pretty darn good show, for sure. How about you, Mike? Well, like David, my wife and I really enjoyed Yellowstone. Couldn't wait to Sunday nights to watch that. And if we missed it, we made sure we recorded it. Prior to that, I really did love the series of Billions. That oh, was yeah. 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 Great awesome. Bus great business show. Mike, what's something that you're most proud of? My two daughters. Awesome. How about you, David? Again, family is everything to myself and Jen. That's awesome. And you can hear that throughout this interview in both of your leadership styles as well. Last question, guys, from Lightning Round. If you could have one superpower, one superpower, what would it be? David, you're up. One superpower, what would it be? You know, I think it would probably be the ability to fly because, you know, frankly, I don't love airports anymore <laughs> and I fly commercial. So, you know, between those two, you need that, a helicopter. A lot of fun. Now, if I can't be a superhero, if I can, you know, use one of the company's jets from time to time, that'd be like me. Mike? Well, as a kid growing up in Kentucky, it was always be able to jump. Couldn't jump, but as an adult, I'd be just like David. Southwest Airlines stock would go down because it's 135 times a year, it would be gone, but I would just fly. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's been a great time. We appreciate it. David Putz, uh, EVP Brown & Brown National Programs. Mike Neal, President of Brown & Brown Dealer Services. Thank you for being on Driving Vision at Ziggler Today Podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Absolute thank pleasure, you, guys. Thank you.